Be a part of history on February 14th at 2 p.m. Memphis Wrestling is back. Join us at Top of the Line Event Hall for live TV tapings. Limited tickets are on sale now at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. This episode is brought to you by Spunk Lube. Spunk Lube is the perfect blend of water and silicone. It is an all-purpose personal lubricant that can be used for any occasion. You will love the natural feeling and look of it. It is safe for sensitive skin. Go to spunklube.com and tell them shooting the shiznit sent you. You better tell someone. Tell someone about stspod.club. Tell them now. Call them. Text them. Tell them. Telegram. Send them video messages. Whatever. Tell them. Hey, I just wanted to talk to everyone before we got the episode started. After I do my catchphrase at the end, stay tuned. My old buddy Randy Smith stops by because he was there that night for the show. Remember, don't turn it off after I do my catchphrase. Five, four, three, two, one. from STS Studios in Jonesboro, Arkansas for Was It Really That Good with my old buddy, Gene Jackson. How the hell are you, Gene? I'm doing well, Brian. How about yourself? Hey, did you enjoy that music? Man, I kind of knocked me out there for a minute. I, I didn't realize that. Is that the new theme song or has that always been a theme song? <laughs> yeah, that's the theme song ever since someone turned us into SoundCloud. So it, yeah. I know it. I know it's do do do. I know it gets everybody to relax the mood and gets us ready for was it really that good? Before we get started, though, I want you to put your shit over because you got a. I was your guest with uh, P3 Radio a couple of Sundays ago. Well, almost over a month ago. By the time this comes out, probably. Uh, so just tell us what you're doing now because I really enjoy. It. I really watch. I like watching it. And I put it in the background. Uh, you got a really good co-host there. So yeah, like I told you before, you even started. Y'all got. A real good chemistry so i'm gonna shut up you put it over um yeah so you know uh did a podcast for a, a really long time and then i, I stopped because i wasn't really having fun with it and the most fun i'd ever had doing the podcast besides doing this one obviously with you uh was when neil taylor was my co-host and we were doing them every sunday night on blog talk radio and so uh i started in with this cheap heat tv live here on Streamyard. And uh, did a couple episodes with just me and a guest and uh, had Charles Anders, my buddy on that I've known for several years and uh, had a lot of fun. It was what was weird. We had two guests scheduled on an episode where the first guest had technical difficulties and never could really get on. And so me and Charles just kind of BS our way through the whole show. We had a good time. And I said, how would you feel about being co-host? And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. So every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. We do cheap heat TV live. Uh, we have a guest on. We're trying to kind of maneuver some things around where we do a guest, maybe say 30, 40 minutes, and then we'll do 15 or 20 minutes of me and him talking about current wrestling events and things of that nature. But uh, we're having a lot of fun. I'm glad, you know, all the feedback we've gotten so far has been positive. People seem to enjoy it. Um, like I say, we do it live on Facebook, uh, on my Facebook, facebook.com slash king of all wrestling media. We also do it on the facebook.com slash cheap tv live page please go like that if you haven't already uh anybody watching this um and then for the people who listen like to listen on their way to work they don't want to have to sit and watch a video i do an audio version over at anchor uh, dot fm but to find all of that i have a brand new website just came out this week cheap tv live.com you can find the audio version the video version 
Twitter, all that stuff, every link that you could want to have to the show is there. And then plus we put video of our guests matches and things like that starting now. So. Awesome. Awesome. I really liked it. We had a fun time with P3 radio. You're uh, Charlie's first time I met him really a smart guy about the business. So uh, I can't wait to be back on it. Also anchor it's on anchor. Uh, I flashback. I'm doing a flashback because iTunes doesn't put all the episodes up uh, and they are really easy to use guys. So if you're wanting to do a podcast, they're really great to use. Uh, so I brought to you, this is something we're doing different. Uh, the video version is going to have me and you, uh, the audio version is going to have my buddy, Randy Smith is supposed to be dropping by. Uh, and we're going to either put it in the middle or at the end here talking about a show that he actually, uh, this is his video that we're watching he was there and it is also a wrestling show well that i actually wrestled on uh <laughs> so 11 9 uh 1990 so how old were you gene 11 9 1990 uh i was 17 Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's not bad. So, uh, we're here. Dennis Carluzzo put this together with Joe, Joel Goodhart. You know, those two names probably from the Philadelphia area. It was a benefit show for Tom Robinson. And it, I told you there's like folklore about this show. There's a, it was the greatest show ever. We can't believe those people were on the show. Uh, had a sheet sheet guy like me there, uh, wrestling, Dave Meltzer was there. There was, uh, I, I was going to ask that. I seen yes. the camera. I was like, is that Meltzer in the crowd? It was, uh, there was okay. over a thousand people there. Uh, the talk was that no one, and I don't know this for, sh for shoot, uh, but it was a Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania, which the place we wrestled uh, is very close to a lot of places where they film movies. There's been tons of movies filmed in that area. Uh, and it involved guys like the Midnight Express, Jim Cornette, Terry Funk. We'll go over all that. But the rumor was, or what we were told was, that everybody worked for free. And that actually Lawler and Gilbert had missed, had to miss the Memphis TV tapings that week just to do this for Tom Robinson. And Tom was, uh, Tom's been on our show before, but you don't know Tom Robinson unless you've heard his name, but, but he was a guy that, that, uh, become friends with wrestlers, uh, picked them up at hotels, took care of business, took them to the hotel. They, they let him in for free. Uh, just kind of made friends with a lot of guys. As soon as he got sick, it was like, uh, this guy might die. We need, we need to help him raise some money. And, you seen him walking out. You seen him walking out. Yeah. Well, a week before that, just a few weeks before that, he was bedridden. And uh, he was just wanting to be able to have somebody bring him into the wheelchair and then walk up to the uh, the steps. But he actually was there. He was walking around. He didn't do a lot. Uh, and cracking jokes about him, you know, them doing a benefit for him. So he, he was in a real good mood. Uh but it was real popular, I guess, really for the, the kayfabe sheet guys, because it was just, that's what Tom was. He was a kayfabe sheet guy and all the wrestlers uh, were his friends and they come together to do this benefit for him. Uh, so we're going to do, uh, as always on the live stream, we'll do it up to commercial break. Uh, and then we will go rest of you can watch the live stream on Patreon and then if you want to just listen to the audio version, you can listen to it. It'll come out uh, a little bit later on our feed. So the first match was the Golden Phoenix against Jungle Jim McPherson. <laughs> so what do you think? I vaguely remember Jungle Jim McPherson right? uh, from that time. And this show, this show was kind of cool in that I remember so many of the names throughout the show, like especially in that battle role from the after mags back in the day and the, the PWI 500 and results and things. So this guy's like finally, after all these years, put a, a face with the name. Um, so I'm, I've seen jungle Jim in action, but my gosh, uh, <laughs> you talk about a match where the timing is off. I've seen matches where the timing's off in the beginning, but eventually something clicks and they kind of reset. And, and so there was the one point <laughs> after several, Woo, after several, yeah, the leapfrog. But the point where he goes to pull the rope and pull him in, but instead knocks him to the floor, you know, he, he kind of walks around was, let's, and let's, slides back in. Yep, and you yep. think, okay, they're slowing down now. 
we're good. And then he shoots him off, does a drop down, and the dude just eats shit. <laughs> and it doesn't get any better. Uh, the Golden Phoenix, I wasn't familiar with him, but he looked like the love child of Dan Spivey and Tim Horner. Um, oh, but, I didn't think about that. But but yeah, you want me to tell you who the Golden Phoenix ended up doing? I don't know if you remember this because I didn't remember it, but he was in USWA and he was New Jack's partner. And he wrestled as Homeboy. homeboy. That That's was homeboy. homeboy. Yeah. I always wondered what happened to Homeboy. I was watching some old USWA on YouTube a while back, and I seen New Jack and Homeboy. I was like, wonder whatever happened to that guy. So he was the Golden Phoenix. This well, was before he, you know, Lawler, Lawler was at the show, was friends with Carluzzo and Goodhart, and he seen him and he brought he wanted to come to Memphis and he becomes New Jack's partner, USWA tag team champion, by the way. Yeah, uh, that's some great trivia right there. Did you see that? Uh, do you see Dennis Carluzzo's son? I can't think of his name right now. He was the youngest ever ring announcer. He ring announced this this first match, so I thought it was really cute. Uh, but then we had, did you see who was ring announcing my match? The one and only Chris Cruz. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did catch that. You got to <laughs> forgive me. I watched this this morning on my phone because work's been really slow. So, so some of the people I couldn't make out because I was watching it on my phone. And But, uh, yeah, I did catch the voice after after halfway through the announcement. Like, Wait a minute. Is that Chris Cruz? There were so many moments like that. I was like, is that Chris Cruz? I was like, is that Meltzer in the freaking crowd? Right, like, right, right. A lot, of that, a lot of that kind of stuff throughout this one. All right. So, the next match was uh, The Blade with the blind manager, Marcus Creighton. He went against uh, BT. So he was he was, he was blind. blind. Yeah. Oh, yep. I made a sarcastic comment to myself. I'm like, "What is this guy freaking blind? He's leading yeah. him out there like." <laughs> oh, that was okay. the gimmick. Uh, he wasn't really blind, but that was a gimmick. Yeah. BT Express with we that was Jamie Ward. He's in the group. Still a friend of mine. Uh, gosh, who's the babyface? Who's the heel? Um, I, I, here's what I'm going to say. There was no psychology on the match. Uh, I had a couple of good clotheslines, but I want to tell you why. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story of this match. We were going to wrestle all over the place, blood, you name it. I was going to wear a white mask under the other mask. He was ripping it off. We were blading the whole nine yards. 10 minutes before the match, Carluzzo comes up to me and says, and remember, this is my second match, my second match ever. He says to me, Corny said, y'all can't do any of that shit. I said, okay. So I called that match. So blame it on me, uh, in the ring and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, and which was obvious, uh, but it was, um, I don't know. We rewatched it last night being the wife. It, Meltzer said it wasn't the worst match he ever seen, but uh, he wanted to call it an abortion. So that's what he told me. Well, I was going to ask you once I saw Meltzer, I'm like, I got to know how many stars did this match get if it <laughs> got written up. But so, all right, this may be one of our longer shows because I have a couple questions here. So tell me, so how did you, number one, how did you go about ending up having your second match ever on this show all the way off in Pennsylvania? But number two, Tell me the origins of BT Express. Like, how did you come up with the gimmick, the look, the whole, the whole bit? What were well, you? Well, that was for? it. Was supposed to be a street fight. So you see me in street fight thing. That's what it was supposed to be. I didn't have tights at the time, right? Uh, so it was supposed to be a street fight. The thing BT Express was, you know, my name BT, but it was bad oh, yeah. times. You know, that's what what I did on the interview. It's all about bad times, but it also was an inside joke to Billy Travis who was the BT Express one time, and we he got in trouble for all kinds of things, and we kind of nudged us, look, there's the BT Express, you know? Right. Um, how I got on that show with all these names <laughs> at that time was that me and Tom Robinson were really, really good friends. I was good friends with Dennis Carluzzo. I talked to these guys, um, and with a Jewel Goodhart and his uh, – and his co-host Carmela Panfield, they did wrestling radio. And every every Saturday after Memphis Wrestling went off, I was on the radio in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, putting over the shows. So it was just a connection. And Tom was like, "Hey, Dennis, I want to put BT just did his first match. Uh, I want him to put his second match. I want him to get on the show. Blah blah blah. They paid for everything. I didn't pay for a flight. I didn't pay for anything, which is weird because it was a benefit. But you right. know how benefits are. But that's how I got 
how, that's how I got there. And by the way, I talked to Cornette many years ago about this, and he said he had nothing to do with that. That was all Dennis Carluzzo telling shit. So, but they knew you weren't going to go bow up on Cornette and be like, "Listen here, damn it, we're doing our street fight." So here's another question that occurred to me watching this, not knowing any of the backstory. Once they decided you guys weren't going to do any of that shit, why didn't they just drop the street fight aspect of it? Like, because they made it a point to mention like a minute into the no, no, no. Don't forget, this is a street fight, and then nothing happened that went along with being a street fight. I'm like, why did they even say that? But I mean, I was scared to death. You're talking, like I said, you're talking ten minutes before he went. They go, hey, blah blah blah, and and my buddy Blade, he uh, me and him, he helped me with the newsletter, so it was like a battle of the newsletter guys. Um, and he lost it. He was mentally not capable of doing it. And I was saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. Also something to notice, uh, to note about that match. And we'll put this on YouTube is it was so, it may not look that way a couple of times it does, but it may not look that way, but it was so fucking stiff. I was bruised from every kick, every punch to the, everything was, legit i mean it was hard as hell um there's also a big rumor about this match that i got mad and because i couldn't do the street fight and i went home it's even on the message boards i looked this up just to see uh, uh about the message boards and you know how that was back in the day the message boards yeah. uh but it's not true. My dad was dying of cancer and he got really sick. So I went home the next day that the rumor was I was pissed. Uh, I was pissed because as you could tell the next match we do remember no blood, no yeah. fighting outside the ring, no chairs. Well, that, I was pissed. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't the reason I left and went home. And I've told you this before. I was going to wrestle. Mark Curtis as a turtle the next night, because Curtis said, dude, you know, the match sucked, but if you'll go to the match with me tomorrow night, me and Mark were friends. And he said, just listen to me. I'll walk you through. We'll do real simple stuff and I'm over as hell. So you, you do that with me. And I was like, Oh man, I'm fixing to wrestle turtle. And then, like I said, my dad, I, I just yeah. really didn't know what was happening with my dad. The next match let's talk about, remember no bleeding. <laughs> No fight outside the ring. It featured the Sandman against J.T. Smith. So, yeah, this was kind of jarring because, like, <laughs> anybody watching this, the Sandman goes on to be known as having one of the most epic entrances in wrestling. That's what he's well, known you, for. You didn't like this? You didn't like him coming And in? so the guy who later became famous for coming out to enter Sandman by Metallica came out to Surfing USA <laughs> with his lime green tights and his, you know, his peaches, his manager. Uh, it's very strange to see. I remembered, I mean, I, I, I remember seeing him when he used to wrestle in the bodysuit thing, you know, the surfing outfit. But, and of course, JT Smith, this was before he found his Italian roots uh, a few years later and became part of the FBI. But yeah, so I'm guessing that you guys got told you couldn't do any of this stuff. So they would have something to do in their match because yeah, they spent most of the time on the floor, um, chairs and blood. And uh, it wasn't, you know, it, it was, I guess it was better than the first couple of matches, but you know, it wasn't what the guys would go on to become known for later for sure. Uh, Meltzer said that they were told not to do that either to not brawl. Uh, but they didn't listen. To anyone did what they wanted to do. I don't know. Maybe they just oh. didn't want us doing it. Them doing it. Who, who knows? Uh, yeah. Sam had bled. Um, JT missed a dive, hit the top rope, uh, and then Sammy just pinned him all of a sudden. It was a, wasn't a good match, but like you said, and I'll just be, they were a lot better than we were in the first match, too. Uh, JT Smith was really good. Not as good here, but here's the funny thing. Watching this, Sandman really never got any better, did he? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I, the only thing I can figure, and, you know, and of course, everybody – always credits uh paul Heyman for you know being able to take guys and amplify the positives and try to downplay the negative so i guess at some point people were like well this is what he is so 
let he's not a body guy, so let's put some baggy pants and a t-shirt on him, which suited him, and let's give him a stick and a cigarette and a beer and let him have a really cool entrance. And the matches are what they are because you're right. He's definitely a guy that, you know, a lot of people, you see an old, old match and then you see them 10 years later and there's vast improvement. And <laughs> no, not really. Sandman is the, the same dude now that he was then, you know? <laughs> well, Sandman's matches were always either just the brawls like we just watched, or it was a lot of psychology and doing nothing. Uh, so he maybe improved with psychology, but yeah, just didn't, didn't really look any better. Um, and then we get, we get some fun stuff coming up right before we go to a commercial break here, but Lawler and funk do a contract signing. Um, Hey, it was funk by the way, just awesome stuff. Ended up with Eddie Gilbert coming out, uh, which led, they all went back to the dressing room, which I kind of thought was weird. They came back out, uh, Lawler, uh, against Gilbert and at ringside with Eddie Gilbert is a famous stately Wayne manor. Do you remember the name stately Wayne manor? From yes, wrestling I do. World? From yes. Wrestling world. Absolutely. Um, I was always at the time wondering if it was even a real person or if it was kind of like, you know, some of the allegedly made up characters over on the PWI side of things. But yeah, then I ended up later on, there was like a Japanese DV or Japanese VHS yep, where yep. he was, did commentary. And then he like, he popped up managing on some shows. That I saw pictures of, uh, he did today. the first, uh, few shows of Eastern championship wrestling. Also when it was, oh yeah, was Eastern, he was a commentator there. Uh, actually a friend of mine, it seems like we're talking about used to be a friend of me. It might be me. That's the asshole here. Uh, <laughs> but I don't talk to him. His, uh, or, uh, Tom anymore, but Staley's shoot name is Ernie Santilli. And Ernie was a huge, um, uh, letter writing guy. Meltzer had a letter writing uh, page and he wrote letters or had uh, maybe they called it letters page probably or the page for letters instead of letter write page. Uh, but, but he would write letters and he, he was in, uh, had a lot of, you know, but doing wrestling world had a lot of friends in the business. Um, and he only did a few matches, uh, but he was ringside with Eddie. I really liked this match. Did you like it? I did. Um, I love Eddie Gilbert. People know that love Lawler, love funk. So that whole coming together there, I was like, all right, now we're talking, you know, and, uh, the thing that struck me about this match and I'll, I don't, we'll see if you called it as well. Um, you know, Jim Cornette, Jim Ross, and even me, you know, gripe about how DDTs aren't protected as a finisher anymore. Paul drivers and all this shit. And I just shared a post before I got on here of uh, tank saying something similar. The very first wrestling move that was done in this match between all the punches was a DDT. The second was a pile driver. So the very the first two things done in this match was a DDT and a pile driver. But it worked for these guys, you know, and it was kind of a brawl. But uh, I, I I never saw a match between Gilbert and Lawler that I didn't enjoy, you know. So it, it was fun. Oh, I, I like the way they did it. It was. Um... It was Lawler almost, you know, uh, getting a, a huge shine, and then Eddie taking. Uh, they just slowed down and stopped, and Eddie started, you know, the chain first, and then using the ring bell uh, hammer. Uh, <laughs> did you did you notice this? Because I've seen this match a bunch of times and never noticed it. I was there live uh, when Lawler did. Lawler did um, did the baseball slide on Ernie on on Stately Wing Manor. He mm -hmm. then, Stately Wing Manor got up to the ring to do something else, and the referee told him to go down while while Eddie was getting some heat. And when he got down, he fell. He went straight to the fucking floor. I was done. I was like, oh. I missed that. God. I got to go back and watch that. Uh, this was the first time I ever met. Um, are you still with me? I Looks like you're. Up oh, there you are. You went in and out. Uh, this is the first time that I ever met Corny Cornette live. Um, and we had talked before, but I had never really met him in person. And he introduced me to Bobby Eaton that night and, and, and Stan Lane. But when I, he introduced me to Bobby Eaton, Bobby Eaton shook my hand and said, Hey, I'm Bobby. Eaton. <laughs> and I'm like, no fucking shit. You're Bobby. Eaton. <laughs> And then the other thing was, remember, Staley Wayne Manor was really not, I mean, he was a big deal in the wrestling world, but in the wrestling business, maybe not. Uh, yeah. 
but I called him Ernie, and he was like, "Don't do that, kayfabe, K And I'm like, "Really? There's nobody out here that knows that two people exist." It was the weirdest thing. Uh, he he did a, a couple more things, I think, with Gilbert. I I know he probably took a pile driver from uh, Jerry Lawler or something, but uh, Gilbert turned in the end. And this led to the next night and about two or three more matches of him against Cactus Jack. Jack came in and hit Gilbert on mistake and Lawler pinned him. I love this match. It was fun. And and it led. It was fun to say that I've been on a show with Eddie Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, Cactus Jack, and Terry Funk. And even the Sandman. I'm a mark for the Sandman. So. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go to a commercial break. And if you're watching it on Facebook, this is it. The stream starts. And if you want, uh, let me, let me right there, Patreon. If you want the full stream, that's how you get it on Patreon. It's only $3 and you can watch the full video. If you want to just listen to the audio, we'll put it up later. All right. Now let's get to a commercial break. Saturday at noon, join us for Championship Wrestling presented by Pro Shingle. It's the fastest hour in pro wrestling where anything can happen. That's Saturday at noon on CW30 Memphis. Hey, if you're stuck in the house and still want to order food, go with Uber Eats. That's right. Download Uber Eats on your favorite device. Get $7 off your first order by using this code EATS. Dash Brian T two four seven nine zero U E. That's E A T S dash B R I A N T two four seven nine zero U E. Hey, before we get back to Gene, I want to remind everyone, Randy Smith. That's right, Randy Smith. After my catchphrase, don't turn it off. And before we get back to Gene, let's bring Lance on and talk about some Manscaped. So, Manscaped, Happy New Year for Manscaped. Uh, they are the best in men's below the waist, not above the Woo. waist, although there's some of us that, that get it mistaken. So, best below the waist grooming offering, precision engineered tools for your family jewels, tools for the jewels. Uh, they're here to help you with clean balls to ring in the new year. So, ring in the new year with the right tools for that job. All right. So happy 2021. It's spoiler alert. Oh, this is a spoiler alert, Lance. Yeah. Hairy nuts are still gross. <laughs> Step us to the new year with the tree standing taller and shave your boys. Hey, did you notice that? It looks like the tree's taller, man, when you shave like your boys. A, just a little bit taller. So, uh, okay. Landscaped is here to give you a New Year's resolution that you actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package you need to start off strong this year. So come out of quarantine with clean balls. We got to say balls about 75 times in this. <laughs> Thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. This water safe, waterproof skin safe trimmer will reduce Nick's not Stevie Nicks, to your new two best new two best friends. Uh, third generation trimmer even has a light to shine in the promised land of 2021 looking to be. So it's also time to freshen up down there for the new year. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You That's already put de- I, I know. You, I, I mean, you already yeah. put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put them on the smelliest part of your body too? So, and for on-the-go freshness, get this. You'll love the Crop Reviver. It's a ball toner spray. Not toner like ink, not black ink on your balls. It's a toner spray. Just a couple of sprays makes you feel fresh there. Start a spritz, the year. Like a spray. <laughs> Like start the new year with a fresh set of testes. Thanks to Manscaped. <laughs> Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speak of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing. Anti-chafing. Yes, anti-chafing. Yes. Boxer briefs are also included. Man, I love those things. And bring you underwear game to the next level. Bring sexy back in 2021 and tell us how, Lance. Uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping. That is big with the code STS pod, right? That's Isn't STS that pod. That's STS right. pod at manscaped.com. That's M A N S C A P E D.com. And your balls, your testes, your nuts, all the adjectives and the synonyms that we used in here will thank you. 
That's right. 20% off free shipping with the code STSPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code STS pod new year, new boss. new boss. All right. Back from commercials. We want to thank all our sponsors. We're right in the middle of this one. So the next match coming up is rock and rebel against sunny blaze. You know, any of these guys, you know, these two guys, it's another one of those situations where they're names that I remember from the magazines. I have seen a handful of rock and rebel matches over the years on like the early Eastern championship wrestling, um, tapes that I traded and stuff back in the day. Um, Sonny Blaze, I more remember him doing jobs on uh, WWF TV a handful of times, more so than I remember him from you know any of the Northern Independents like this. But um, I remember, I don't, I remember seeing the Rock and Rebel in the magazines a lot. Yeah, didn't he work some ROH too? Opening ROH matches. Yeah, he stuff? did in the very early days of ROH. Yeah, he did have a. Yeah, couple I thought of he did. He, I don't, I don't know if you know this. That's for another show. But do you remember? Uh, he actually killed himself and his wife a couple of years ago. Did you ever remember uh, seeing that? I had forgotten until you just said that. But I, I remember reading it out loud uh, when I seen it on the internet. I read it out loud, and Rosie's like. Who the hell is the Rock and Rebel? She assumed it was some guy from Tupelo or something. I'm like, no, no, no. It's he was from Pennsylvania. And she's like, there was a guy called Rock and Rebel in Pennsylvania. I'm like, yeah, it's anyway. Yeah, uh, there's uh Shane Douglas uh, <clears throat> talked about it on his podcast. And that's that's actually the clip I heard, but then I watched the news clip. I had as soon as I got his name, I started searching because I was I put it in YouTube because I knew there was something that happened, but I couldn't remember what. But yeah, he didn't he did do the Benoit because he didn't kill his kids, but he killed uh, his wife and himself. And Sonny Blaze, you said WWE TV. I kind of looked him up just to see. This was in November of 1990, and uh, in December of 1990, he was doing jobs for the Undertaker. So that was kind of fun to see him, uh, you know, getting killed, but it was fun. If you will look right after this match, K-Fabe, BT, K-Fabe. BT is standing in the crowd. That's right. Without the mask. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hopefully Cornette didn't realize it. Oh, well, you know, if he did. Um, I, I went out to watch. Goddamn. Uh, <laughs> Get on the business. Oh man, I've got a Cornette Tom Robinson story. So Cornette comes up with these uh videotapes. Uh I know you've seen them. You know the uh first scaffold match with uh Jerry Jarrett and uh then he's got some Don Green and all those old, really super old tapes. Cornette had those uh spent the money to have them transferred. And then someone sent them to me, and I started selling them in my newsletter. Well, no, I was taking a donation in my newsletter. So (laughs) Tom is about to die is what they think. Corny goes over at Tom's house when they're in town, and uh, Corny says – Brian Trammell, Brian Trammell's trying to steal my money. He was really <laughs> mad at me. And I was just like, uh, you know, what email or anything back then. I was just told, I told Tom, just tell him I'm taking him out. So uh, the next match, not a real good match, by the way, at Rock and Rebel and Sunny Blaze. Uh, I hate to say my match was even better, but maybe it was. I don't know. I agree. Uh, oh, wow. Thank you. You at least, had a, cool, you at least had a cool mask. Yeah, <laughs> and in your picture, way years ahead of Orange Cassidy, you had your picture on. If you'd have just had a shirt of you wearing the shirt on the shirt, then I know it would have been way ahead, ahead of your I, time. When the next match was, oh man, it was really strange. Johnny Hotbody and Larry Winters, uh, they worked for TWA as uh, at Joe Goodhart's promotion as the tag team champs. They beat the Southern. Philadelphia hitmen, Michael Bruno and Tony Tony Stetson. And when they first came out, I couldn't remember <clears> which <throat> team was which team. They all looked uh and it, those hitmen had I don't know. It was just really weird their suits were. Yeah, so I'm not gonna lie, I got a call during this one and didn't pause it because I had already turned the sound down because since there was no commentary, the the cackling laughter in the first couple of matches from the the fan who was close to the camera. And some of the yelling distracted me, so I just turned the sound down. So while I was on this call, I didn't pause it. And then when I time I got off the work call, that match was over, and I thought, I'm not rewinding that. So uh, 
I really can't tell you a lot about that one. Again, it's, it's four guys who I just really remember reading their names in magazines a lot and results from TWA and stuff like that, but not real, real familiar with them. Not a good match. Uh, there was no psychology whatsoever. And I wish I could talk to somebody that was there, referee or something, because I'm pretty sure they did the old time to go home, get the hell out of the ring. I really think that's what happened because they went straight to the finish. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, Larry Winters and Hobbody were just there all the time in that area. Uh, I don't remember. Tony Stetson's name is real familiar. Like you said, that was some of the matches of familiar. Next up, we had um, a really another good match, uh, and it involved Eddie Gilbert also. But but there was uh, Meltzer didn't talk about this, but you know <clears throat> the. A few days before this, and they may not have even have known this at the time, in October of 1990, on the 29th, apparently the Midnight Express went to some tapings for Ole Anderson there. Uh, I guess that would be TBS, and he had them booked to do jobs. And four, four straight jobs, and Cornette got pissed, and uh, Ole pretty much told Corny, uh, go home. He he told oh, him. Oh, so that's that's the famous story where him and Stan walked out. Yeah, yeah. Left, he he and, was and calling him, WCW. He, Yeah, he was uh <clears throat> really just calling his bluff. You know, he was like uh uh he was go uh Anderson didn't think that Corny would walk out, but they did. They walked out. Uh and then Aiton, I guess he decided to stay, but Aiton was injured and he got the okay to do this match. It was kind of weird. Uh, but he was actually hurt. So that's the reason he was legit hurt. So that's the reason he didn't work. They came out, man, the Philadelphia crowd loves Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. Uh, and they, Eddie Gilbert came out and worked with Stan Lane against Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. Who had, uh, Mark Curtis Direct as Mark their Curtis. heel manager. Yep. Yep. And so Cornette and Curtis did some of the shtick that he had done with dangerously during the baby face run and, and, uh, Crockett, which I thought was was pretty fun, and um, I actually had the sound turned back up on that one because I want to see what Cornette said. And uh, of course, Cornette did the you know implication that Mark Curtis was of the homosexual persuasion, which got over in Philadelphia in 1990. Not probably wouldn't now, but you know he did the dance, prancing around the ring that he did with Dangerously and all that, and the whole fake boxing square off between the two and all that. So it, it was pretty fun. It was fun to see Mark Curtis out there and his cowboy boots, his jeans tucked into his cowboy boots, <laughs> trying to look like as much of a heel manager as he could muster. And knowing what a, a fan and historian of wrestling he was, I can only imagine he was over the moon to be managing, you know, Terry Funk and Cactus against, you know, sort of the Midnight Express, but, you know, Eddie, and I, and I, you know, I made the connection in my head. Then I saw you posted earlier online. I thought this is weird. This is probably the only time I couldn't that the see two, yeah, the two fabulous see. one combinations paired up like this. So that was another interesting uh, aside to that match as well. I put that up on Instagram because, and just to ask people, you know, do you ever remember or what? What am I talking about, kind of thing? Because I don't think anyone <laughs> would. Uh, but this was, uh, by the way, Mark Curtis was probably one of the nicest guys I ever met in the wrestling business uh truly just i mean all i could sweetheart i mean that's the best way just to i mean he would have do anything for you if he thought and it's the same thing what what guy in the wrestling business would say okay i'll work you the next night you suck uh <laughs> kind of thing but yeah. he was big people some people know this, but Smoky Mountain Wrestling and Cornette said this before. One of the reasons it was so successful in getting out videotapes, getting out posters to the towns, blah, blah, blah. It was Mark Curtis. So um Brian Hildebrand, by the way, that's his, yeah. shoot, that's what I knew him as. Didn't even know him as Dr. Mark Curtis because he was a subscriber to my bulletin. Uh, and then we become friends. So I did, I thought it was uh, oh yeah, you was talking about Corny doing that gay thing and this <laughs> This goes back to some Memphis shit. He then rips Mark's shirt off. Right. I'm like, so is Mark gay or is Corny gay? They used to do that with, uh, they used to yell faggot at Jimmy Hart. All right. So, and then they would rip his clothes off. 
And because yeah. apparently Jimmy loved to have his clothes ripped off, which is crazy, but apparently he did. Uh, <laughs> I was told that by some at work Memphis. Uh, so that, I mean, it's just really weird. And the fans ate it up. Uh, I also put Eddie tagging and the, the two versions of the fabs. Uh, by the way, we did talk to Jerry Jarrett about that. And he was on our show and talking about a really bad idea. So <laughs> that, that will be in the show notes. Jerry knew, knows it was a bad idea. Uh, Funk, Man, did you see the rope? The broke, the top rope uh, broke, and Funk. That's what I was flying. waiting to mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It was the fact that the top rope broke, and and Funk immediately got his bearings and starts <laughs> hurling chairs and flipping the table over at ringside. And uh, they, you know, they they made the they made the most out of it. You know, they implemented the rope into the match after that and was choking and hog tying, trying to hog tie cactus <laughs> with it and everything. And it was funny because. Um, Stan and Eddie were the aggressors during that part because you would think that would have been Funk and Cactus doing that, but they, uh, I don't know. I was kind of surprised in the match that uh, I think Stan Lane, I mean, of course, everybody gives him credit as a tag team for the Fabulous Ones and the Midnight Express, but I think a lot of people, he, he doesn't get the credit he's due. He was, he was a good worker and really over with fans, and, you know, he, he was – a lot better with the karate stuff than most guys in that era were, you know, as far as landing the kicks or at least making them look halfway decent. But I was just really impressed with him this match. I, I think with with Bobby being down, I think he stepped his game up. And I don't know, there was just he stood out a lot more in this match than I remember Stan standing out in their WCW matches. It's reminded me of him as the Fabs working the Moon Dogs because he did. I was thinking to myself, this is the Midnight Express, and then he went to the floor. And when uh, Cactus did the elbow, I was like, man, he's taking the elbow from Cactus. What's he doing? Because Stan never did shit like that uh, in WCW. Then I thought about you think about those Fargo matches where they had jackie come in and they're working the moon dogs and blood all over the place uh so yeah that that was the other stand and you know i was a fan of stan but i never thought i always thought kern was the workhorse and uh so that's that didn't surprise me the way they worked this match where they finally settled down and they put all the heat on stan and stan got the hot tag on with eddie uh because that was what that's the way he probably did the other matches. I haven't went back and watched a lot of Fabs matches, but I kind of want to do that now. Only thing I've seen of Fabs is like Moondogs or some of the squash matches. So you don't really get to see how they worked it because you always know Ricky Ricky Martin took a lot of heat and Robert took uh, that Fabs. Were, who took the heat in that team? So really good match, by the way. I love this shit. Oh yeah, that was the that was the match of the show. Um and and honestly, and I mean and you could say this by a lot of benefits, but like that match should have ended the show. I mean, oh, that would have yeah. ended the show when I, that battle roll was the drizzling shits. That finish was freaking idiotic. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, man, if I'd have been at that show that night, I'd have been like, What why would you not end it with the tag match? Like this was you didn't even need to have it, but if you were gonna have it, have it right after the intermission get past it and then and then end with this hot tag team match that was wild and and then you have a battle roll with no top rope <laughs> you know it's that was no fault of theirs but did you recognize any of those people i recognize uh axel rotten yeah yeah axel rotten again a, a handful of the names i remember seeing in like the p like seeing red and some of that weird <laughs> shit i remember seeing like in the pwi 500 over the years but yeah, like nobody that should have been closing out the show. And like I said, that did you did that ending make any sense to you at all? At no, being no, there no. and watching the whole like I was just like, what the hell was that? Like, I think I, I did. I can't remember seeing this because I hate battle rules, but I did watch a little bit of it and then watch the finish and none of it. Jimmy Shoulders was the guy who won and he got an NWA title match. They had a you know a show the next night, junior title match against uh, Candido the next night. So that's why they had it, but that was just horrible. So. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I may okay. be. Jimmy Shoulders is that not the guy who went on to be Cloudy the the Sunny uh whenever Sunny went with the smoking guns and they brought this guy out dressed like a woman uh Tom Richard and Candido is skipping zip had somebody called Cloudy which was of course the antithesis of Sunny 
And I want to say they said it was independent wrestler Jimmy Shoulders oh, that Candido wow. knew and brought him in. And that's the only reason I knew the name Jimmy Shoulders. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misplacing that, but I'm almost sure that's correct. I'll have to fact check that, but that would be, that's be a lot of freaking uh, uh, trivia there going on on this show. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, we had a really good time. All I can remember is having a good time backstage. There was a valet named Angel who had these big boobs and me and Cornette have a picture somewhere uh, me and him, uh, me on one side of the one boob and him on the other side, smiling. I so, thought that's who that was. Her boobs get shown in a JCW video. If, if you ever want. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she went on to make, uh, angel went on to make some, uh, not really porn. I guess you call it porn. She just got whipped a lot in them. So really not buck naked, but she just liked to get whipped. So, uh, she is the girl that claimed that, uh, Mick Foley raped, uh, was having sex with her when she was like 13 or 14. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all a crazy right. thing. Look that up. That's a, and she's, that's... she's all over. The, I actually talked to her in a, uh, not too long ago. She was always a sweet girl. Her and her sister were, and they were, uh, Tom Robinson dated her for a while. So that's how she ended up in the business. So Tom, that's Tom Robinson's fault too. All right, dude, I'm going to go ahead and ask you, was it really that good? Man, I'm going to tell you, this is a tough one. It's it's almost like a tale of two shows. Like if you <laughs> if you took like the Lawler-Gilbert match and the Terry Funk tag match and all that, um, the first match was god-awful. I mean, your match obviously wasn't great, but I mean, it, it was better. I enjoyed it. Maybe it's just because I know you and, and that, <laughs> that, you know, made it interesting. But your match, I thought, was much better than the Rock and Rebel match or the Tony Stetson, Johnny Hotbody. Tag oh, wow. Thank crap. you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so if, if, you know, if, if it was one of those rating things, if there was one of those thumbs in the middle, <laughs> like the old Meltzer thing, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I would give it uh, thumbs in the middle, but I'm going to say, and not just not for your benefit, just because of the Lawler and Funk match and the the tag team. I mean, the Lawler Gilbert match. I'm sorry, and the tag team match. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was good. Oh well, well, you know, just because it was had a lot to do with uh, had a lot to do with my history and my friends and my uh, going back and watching it it was really fun I always I've only watched that match probably this is only about the fourth time uh, I've ever seen the match and I was real disappointed in myself and knew that I did could not be uh, a professional wrestler because I sucked. But just looking at Eddie and Lawler, at, you know, and Funk and all those guys, and, and like you said, two really great matches. Eddie was so good at everything. If you are listening to this and you don't know who Eddie Gilbert is, go out of your way to watch interviews, uh, bumping um, and punches and <laughs> you name it. And you think Eddie Gilbert was, was probably marking out too. We talked about, uh, uh, Brian Hildebrand, but think about this. Eddie was, was tagging, uh, with Stan Lane, who was a fabulous one. Mm. And before, before him, uh, he was being, uh, he was being managed by Jim Cornette and he was wrestling against funk. Now cactus Jack wasn't a big deal by then, but just think about that. Yeah. They, and if you can find them, they had some really good matches. Jack and, uh, Jack and Eddie Gilbert did after yes. this. That series they had was great. Let me ask you this. Eddie Gilbert, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, and Terry Funk are four guys that I, I truly believe you could send all four of them out on Memphis TV on a Saturday morning. And let's just say, for argument's sake, let's say when they walked out, Gilbert and Funk were the heels. Lawler and Dundee were the baby faces. You could send those four out on TV and they could convincingly swap roles in the course of a promo because they were all that good. Gilbert could, could switch in and out seamlessly, but I've seen Dundee do it. I've seen Lawler do it. I've seen Funk do it. They're all so convincing in their role that they could turn back and forth like that and get away with it. Because like I said, Gilbert was a heel in the Lawler match and then he turned... And people were cheering for him in the tag match, and it and it didn't come off. Hope. Well, that was the sign that it's time to wrap it up. One hey, more thing, up. though, I, I've got to ask one more question right, one before more we question. go home. How many more matches did BT Express have after that match? Mm. That was the second. I had 
I want to say I had anywhere I had between twelve and eighteen matches. Um, and, and well, I lied. I got one other question. This no, was your I, second match. When when was your first match, and who was it against? It was in a uh, Columbus. Uh, was it Columbus, Tennessee? I was on a show against the same guy. The first match on the show, uh, and there was a turtle on that match. It was Chris Champion was there. Oh, and I wrestled okay. for um, I wrestled for Tommy Hagee, who was Mephisto in 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 Tennessee, uh, because Lawler had this is something else we didn't talk about, but Lawler had called me in the dressing room because I had talked bad about him in the Observer Yearbook, um, and he called me in the dressing room and threatened to beat me up. Well, Randy Hills told me to go in. Uh, then at this show, they didn't let us be in the same area. They kept me and Lawler separated, which I wasn't mad or anything. He was the one that was mad. Uh, we kept it in a separate area. So that, that was, uh, that was kind of fun. So knowing Lawler <laughs> hated me at the time. So you've had a, a promo cut on you by Lawler and one by Cornette. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Well, Lawler, even there is a, it was called cassette wrestling news. It was it, uh, stone codes even put it over on his podcast. He thinks it's the first podcast ever he calls it the 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 pioneer of podcasting lawler did a promo a like seven minutes long talking about uh brian trammell and how who brian trammell is he sniffs uh you know jock straps and he's spag and and all this stuff i can't find it if anyone out there is listening oh my god if we could find that that would be it would be just awesome even jeff jeff osborne done it he actually went into ufc at later on uh he doesn't even have it so it's just one of those things there's uh, so much going on at this time in my life um i did matches with jd mckay uh later on those Uh, are some barn burners man five stars five stars (laughs) uh i did a battle royal one night where jd went out the battle royal and they told me to stay in and told me that chris champion was going to super kick me and he he was real stiff they were just ribbing me uh, they kicked me, um, he kicked me and I barely felt it. I mean, it was just like, he just, just, you know, touched my head. And then, uh, I flipped over the top rope. God, I don't know how, what I was doing. And I went head first into the concrete, completely head first into the concrete, had a big black eye. It was just crazy. But I also wrestled when I was a manager a couple of times, I wrestled, um, in a chain match against a, like a 65 year old man one night. Uh, so, uh, and then I wrestled my ex-wife. She was, uh, she was actually the real Katie psycho used to carry the Katie around. Right. She was the real Katie. We had a barbed wire match one oh, time shit. in Kennett, Missouri, and I bladed my arm. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, you talking about a chain match. That's probably one of the God awfulest matches you've probably ever seen. I wish we could find that. Uh, but this guy, we both bladed, he bladed like crazy. You know, I hit him about three or four times and then the match was over, but yeah, I just, I was horrible. I wished I knew what I know now in the sense that I know all about psychology and I could teach psychology. And at one point I could teach psychology, but I'm just, I just, could not do it. I guess all of it. I mean, you know, there's nothing athletic about me, like Jerry Lawler said. Uh, but I was smart enough to say, and I've said this before, Gene, and you know that there's always, if you want to be in the wrestling business, there's something to do. And I'll go all the way to saying you can set up the fucking ring if you want to. You can be in the wrestling business. You can sell popcorn. You you can put out posters. You can do whatever you wanted. And I decided I wanted to do a kayfabe sheet, number one. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to be a wrestling manager, you know, because I was yeah. big fans of Jim Cornette and Jimmy Hart. Uh, and so, that you know, that's just where it went. And I wasn't – I had a really good time as a manager, uh, but there's no way I would ever, you know, think about wrestling or doing anything like that. Uh, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, especially on a show like this with all those other people. Dude, I, I came in and told Sammy Hall when I went to go train that I wanted to be a manager. I wasn't athletic. That I needed to manage. And he told me, you're bigger than three-fourths of the people on my show. You're you're going to have to wrestle. And <laughs> so I ended up wrestling. Uh, but then I later, you know, I later managed. And, uh, and so – and there's a difference between wrestling as a manager and then wrestling as a wrestler. And I had to figure that out 
find my way on that, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I did a couple matches uh, in Dysburg where me and the guy I was managing, you know, we tagged and went against, and uh, uh, we went against somebody. And it is a total thing. You just you're the one get putting a heat on the baby face, and then you tag real quick and get out. You don't ever really. You just do a few moves and then get out because because that's they're just waiting. The fans are waiting to see you get kicked in the face or something. So, I mean, I, when I did like all my manager ma- wrestling as a manager matches at Pro South, you know, I studied, you know, Bobby Heenan matches and Cornette and guys like that. But it still came off weird because I was still twice the size of most of those guys. <laughs> so why the hell am I scared of, you know, guys that I could squash? But. It's wrestling. You can shut your mind off long enough to make it work. So. There you go. Hey, guys. And I love J.D. McKay, but let me say, much like Sandman, 20-something years later, <laughs> he's he's the same wrestler now that he was then. I, I don't know. He never evolved. I don't know. But You know, not- the first time we met, I said, blah, 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 and I said, I know J.D. McKay. And you go, what the fuck? You know, we were laughing backstage because I do JD. JD just a super nice guy too, but uh you know, it, I love JD. He's been on this show, but JD there's a bunch of JDs in the wrestling business uh that and I wasn't that guy that think they might be a lot better than they really are. <laughs> and but yeah. I'm okay with that. So JD was a good guy and, and uh and still and, uh, is, but boy, still, he needs to lay off the damn politics on Facebook. That's uh, I, I don't follow him anymore. So he's my friend, <laughs> but I don't follow his feed. I don't follow his feed. All right, guys. Same bad time, same bad channel on the best little wrestling podcast, even when the fucking backdrop falls for us. Uh, in the business, be there. And as everyone knows, I love my mama. Five, four, three, two. All right, I'm glad you watched or listened to uh, the Tom Robinson benefit with me and Gene there. Was it really that good? We actually both liked the show. But right now, I'm bringing in from the green room an old buddy of mine. And what we're doing is bringing somebody that was at the show. Well, besides me. Uh, So bringing my old buddy, Randy Smith in. Randy, how's it going? Going well, Brian. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on here. We're going to have you, we're going to drop, uh, have you drop by sometime and just talk about wrestling, how you become a fan and all that. But what I want you to talk about is a Tom Robinson benefit show. You got to listen to what me and Gene's already done, um, uh, in advance copy. Uh, and you said you rewatched the benefit show. So what kind of memories do you have popping up for you? Uh, mainly Terry Funk, <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole Terry Funk and Eddie Gilbert. Um, I, I like I said, yeah, I, I watched the whole show again. I mean, it, it was a great show overall. Looking looking back at it now, the the amount of talent on that show, uh, things you don't realize at the time. You know, everything came together for that show, though. It was probably one of the the greatest shows I ever attended live, and I've been to many of them. But there was something about that with with all the guys coming together for the benefit of Tom, and it, it, it was a great night overall. Uh, the friend friends I was with, and terrific night overall. Man, I just you know I was we me and Gene were talking, and I told him that I think when I sent him the message that we were going to do this show, I said it was a lot. I, I used the word folklore is what I used mm-hmm. describing this show because one thing, uh, so many people have talked about it for so many years and you know, me and you both have lost a connection with Tom Robinson, who was mm-hmm. our longtime friends for various reasons. Yep. Uh, a lot of people there at that show we've lost connection with, uh, but I'm still a Dave Meltzer subscriber. Uh, me and you still talk and I knew you, you were there and everything. Uh, but there was always, Hey, remember Tom's benefit, remember Tom's benefit. Yeah. And I yeah. was on that show with so many people just, just to be able to say I was on the show with Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler and Eddie Gilbert one time. Uh, and I only wrestled, I tried to count them with Gene and earlier in this podcast, you'll hear me say about 12 to 18. Well, I sat down last night after we recorded that. And I can't come up, but with 11 matches I had, there may be more, but that's all I can think about. So Mm. there was one of the 11 matches I had, 
Um, and it was God awful, but it's just the idea of being there. And it was just, I mean, all the people that were there, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, honestly, I thought your match was better than the first match. I, <laughs> there were so many botched moves with that golden Phoenix, uh, Jim McPherson match. It, it was, and, and they're, they're not bad guy. They just didn't have the chemistry in the ring. And, uh, a lot of, wow. It, that, that was a bad match. The, the first match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, we had a real good fucking fucking uh, Lawler, and let's just talk about Eddie Gilbert for a few yeah. minutes. You said it remind you of Eddie Gilbert, but does it when you watch something like this? Uh, just you know, just him out there working really hard and having a good match. Does it show you just how good Eddie Gilbert really was? Well, I'll tell you what. The way they put it together with Bobby Eaton blowing his knee out, they had to get Stan a partner. They had Eddie heel, and then they had Eddie turn face, and then they had Eddie as a face teaming with Stan Lane in the match. The way Eddie gelled into everything, the way he did that night, shows what a true performer that man was in, in the ring, definitely. I just love the bumping. I, I just oh, sit there, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I mentioned, and I want to say it here if you're still listening uh, to the podcast and you're a young guy just getting started out, if you don't know the name Eddie Gilbert, learn how to bump like Eddie, sell like Eddie, and, um, and punch like Eddie, and you may be a superstar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his punches were so good. And we talked about it. I don't know. You said you were not. I don't know if you were around Eddie that night because I I never saw Eddie that night. But you said you you and who you and John McAdam and someone went and picked up the Midnight Express. Well, it, yeah, it was actually me, Dave Meltzer, John McAdam, Dave. Frank Chili, Jamie Ward drove the van, and we picked <laughs> up Jim Cornette, Bobby Eaton, and Stan Lane. Um, that was we were all in the van together, and. Uh, the funny thing, I, I will tell you this, driving to the show, everybody was talking, everybody was happy, but it, it seemed like Stan Lane, there were a hundred places he would have rather been that night than there. <laughs> he he just didn't, I, I don't know if it was because of that, that you got to remember, that was at the time when the midnight had, uh, they either quit or they were let go at WCW. Right, right. And I don't know if Stan was upset about that, but Stan Lane, he wasn't into it. I remember that from the car ride there. But other than that, I mean, you wouldn't have been able to tell at the show because Stan put on a hell of a good match with Eddie Gilbert. And I, I often wonder what would have happened if, if Bobby hadn't blown his knee out, how would the show have played out? I honestly think that, that Stan Lane and Eddie Gilbert had a better match with Funk and Cactus Jack than the Midnights would have. You people know, might yeah, people might yeah. disagree with me on that, but I think that Eddie made a better partner in that match than Bobby Eaton would have. Right, and we talked about that. Me and Gene talked about it in, in that uh, always staying never <sighs> – he wasn't the working fab, you know what I'm saying? Right, and then right. when he went to, when he went to the midnight express, he wasn't the working guy with, uh, with Bobby. Cause Bobby was a working guy, but right. man, Stan was working his ass off. And I, I talked about him yeah. taking that elbow drop. Y'all, y'all yes. were right there, not in front where the elbow drop happened, but you were right on the other side in the front row, right? Right. Yeah. I was in the front row on the other side. Yeah. Man, man, man. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm glad you looked at it. I looked at it. I had a fun time. I didn't have any, even though me and Tom don't talk, I didn't have any uh, bad feelings about the show. I think no, I felt better no. about the show this time I watched it than I have in a long time because I was upset when it first happened and what they did to me. And, and it really, after years of finding out, uh, it wasn't Jim Cornette, it was Dennis, which is hilarious, mm -hmm. uh, in a way. And just knowing that um, I should – the thing about it is my dad was sick. I went home, but I still don't know. I should have just stayed because he, you know, he was all right after after a while. He was fine. So, but but the way he was so sick, you just never knew that might be it. That may be the last day I see him. So, you right. know, I'm going to get my ass home to see him before it happens. Uh, right. But uh, just I wish I would could have stayed and, and wrestled the turtle. No, I hear you. I, hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that was part of my legacy of wrestling Brian Hildebrand the Turtles. So yeah, yeah. 
Well, man, I want to thank you for stopping by just talking about the Tom Robinson show. You were there, and that's what we're going to do, bring somebody that was there. And we're going to have you on sometime in a couple months to just bullshit about wrestling, all Definitely. right? Definitely. Anytime I'll talk about anything we need to talk about. Yep. All right. Thank you, Randy. Okay. Thank you. Did you enjoy that episode? Cash App us. That's right. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Cash App us. One dollar. Two dollars. If you Cash App us over twelve dollars, I'll give you one year of Patreon for free. Graphic design is very important. Your logo is the first image potential customers see. What kind of impression would you want to make today? Need a podcast logo or a t-shirt design? KT does art. Her name has become synonymous with quality and professionalism in the graphic design community. She specializes in graphic design, painting, and more. She provides affordable commissions and professional quality with a timely delivery. Contact KT via email at KT underscore does art at yahoo.com. Check out her Instagram at Instagram.com slash KT underscore does art. Hey, that was another great episode of Shooting the Shiznit. We're currently looking for contestants for who wants to be the best Shiznit or ever championship 2021. A shout out to our sponsors this month. And also, we have Patreon. It is only $1 at www.patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit without a G. A big thank you and a shout out to Bob McGee at Pro Wrestling, Between the Sheets, and Gene Jackson at localstolegends.com. You can reach us on Twitter at comicbookmarkbt, Instagram BT shooting the shiznit without a G, Facebook shooting the shiznit with a G, and we're also at Cool Kids Wrestling and MMA Talk. You gotta ask to get in. If we don't like you, we'll kick you out. That's right. And you can get all the archives to all the episodes at www.stspod.club. All right, let's do a roll call of my favorite podcast. So, my favorite non wrestling podcast would be Who's Right Podcast. Poor Boys Podcast, the official podcast, Man Brain Podcast, My Favorite Murder Podcast, I Am Fat Podcast, and my buddies over there, Richard Josh at P3 Radio. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. Remember, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars.